0: Log Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. You're everywhere. This is our command. Your every whimsical
1: desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always price. Welcome, welcome to, to the greatest show And welcome back to the greatest show on earth, that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Har, Andy G. Welcome to this episode of the show, where tonight. We're going to be talking about my film pick of the week to do the kind of soft uh, entrance into October, which begins on Friday. We're going to be talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978, directed by Philip Kaufman. It's the remake of the one from the 50s. Uh, Is it better than the original? Well, we'll find out. Uh, Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to hear the ghoul's thoughts on that because he's off celebrating Zach's birthday. So happy birthday, Zach. Have a great time with your old man. Don't bust his balls too much. Uh, We're going to try to carry on without him. The dean should be on in a little bit. But I am joined by the psychotic simian, the mad monkey, the prince of Morris Day. Yes, get fucking with it, monkey.
2: Yes! Keep it a funky, keep it a fresh. This is the Bad Monkey, broadcast to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where we, the Talking Terror crew, will be coming in your ears for the next two hours. We'll be we'll bringing you trailer spoilers, bringing you hard news and trivia and all that kind of good shit, and a bunch of other funky shit which you won't understand unless you are fucked up like the ghoul. But it doesn't really matter. Just make sure you listen on Spotify. Make sure you listen on iTunes. Make sure you listen on Blog Talk. It really doesn't fucking matter because, again, like a bad case, this game is. We are everywhere, baby. What's up, King?
1: Oh, showing a lot of emotion there. I'm like the pop people Everyone going to be talking about later on in the show. So I guess you're okay. Yeah. You're, them, you're not one the pop people yet.
2: <laughs> not yeah, I the of the just so, yet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you're super ready to go. And you know, and like I said, this is going to be you know my uh, my kind of entryway into uh, October, which is a favorite month. You know, Halloween's coming up. Woo-hoo! A lot of things are coming up that are going to be spooky. Uh, Halloween Kills uh, is going to be coming out on Peacock Premium on October 15th. For those of you who don't want to go to the movie theater to go see it, you don't got an excuse now. You can't say, oh, gee, I don't want to go to the theater and see that. No, you can watch on Peacock Premium, baby. They got you. <laughs> but, <laughs> so go ahead. Watch it. Sit at home. Get some popcorn ready. I know that's what I'm going to do when Halloween Kills comes out. I was originally going to go see it in the theaters, but I said, you know what? Fuck that. It's coming out on Peacock Premium. I have it. So I'm going to sit back with some popcorn that I popped myself that didn't cost $18. You know, a soda that costs nothing because I bought it for $0.89 at the Dollar Tree, so it's not that $8 soda that you get at the movie Theater. But also, this Friday, what better way to herald in the Halloween season than the many saints of Newark? The Sopranos prequel, which comes out on Friday, also on HBO. So you don't have to go to the theater to see that either. If you have HBO, sit at home, baby. It's, that's the way to do it. That's, <laughs> that's, you know, the home movies now. I mean, I, I, don't, know, I don't know about you, Mark, I don't know if you're a big fan of Sopranos, but I am. As I told you before the show, I fucking binged the entire series uh, this past week in preparation for the prequel that's coming out with Michael Gandolfini, James Gandolfini's son, playing Tony. But, uh, yeah, I'm all mobbed up. I'm ready to go. But uh, I might have to watch because, uh, you know, Marie wants to watch it with me. So I might have to bow out and just, you know, say, fuck it. And wait until she's ready. You know, who knows?
2: Man, I can't believe you've been watched all six seasons of The Sopranos, man.
1: Damn.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the, um, yeah, the diva, you know, she, she is, you know, again, cause she's Jersey girl, you know, big fan of Sopranos herself, you know, so odds are I'm probably be having to sit down with her and watch that shit as well. Um, so this thing, though, uh, this part of prequel. Is this going to be a new ongoing series that's coming out on HBO Max?
1: No, it's just a standalone movie. It's going to be a prequel. Oh, really? Uh, set in
2: 1967
1: in Newark. Yeah, it's going to take place in 1967, and it's going to be about uh, young Tony Soprano kind of growing up in the mob world with his uncle, you know, uh, Mickey Moltisanti, and uh, showing you how he became uh, Tony uh, as we knew him on the show. So it's just going to be a movie. Uh, I know David Chase, who created The Sopranos, wants everybody to go see it in the theaters, because if it does well there, he wants to do a, a sequel. But uh, I guarantee you, they are gonna stay home. I, I can't imagine how many people going out to the theaters to go see uh, the many scenes in Newark, when especially when it's on HBO. I think people are gonna be like me and just say, you know what, I want to sit at home, get comfy, you know, make some spaghetti, make get some pizza, you know, do the whole thing Jersey <laughs> right, you know, and and watch this yeah, uh, you this know. prequel film. <laughs> Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, get a pie, <laughs> and, sit, yeah. and sit down and just enjoy the show. <laughs>
1: get a little of that goo. You know, get the wine. You know, get the pizza. You know, and you sit down and watch the Night Saints in Newark and have a good time. I mean, you know, I don't see a sequel uh, coming anytime soon, especially because uh son said he doesn't want to do one. So then, there we go. So either they have to find somebody else to play Tony Soprano in a movie, or they just don't do it at all. I say, don't do it. You know it's already tough enough that James isn't here anymore, so fuck it. Let's just do a pre prequel and then be done. I'm good, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's a weird thing. You know I think they waited too long anyway to do anything Supremes related, and way too long. And I don't think people are still over that fucking finale. I know I'm not. I think. That's <laughs> I'm mistaken. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Dean, I'm sorry. Deans here, everybody.
3: Well, one. Woo-hoo! I think the question I must ask as you talk about oh. Uh, and I ask this question in all seriousness. When you say, oh, the Sopranos prequel is here, uh, let's stay at home and, and get pizza. Um, are are is there any, and I don't know, uh, Monkey, what your experience might be with the New Jersey, New York uh, stylings, but, King, I know you certainly do know, Like, but what are the pizza options like where you guys are?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, the monkey and I live in different towns. So I'm going to let him go first because, I mean, I know what I got that much.
2: Yeah. uh, Well, because the diva's from Jersey, you know, we had to search far and wide to be able to find pizza places that are halfway decent and even close to Jersey pizza. So we found a couple of places that are are okay, you know, and, um, you know, unfortunately there is one literally right next door to our apartment building. But, you know, and when we first moved into the apartment, uh, the diva, sat down we tried it and she literally cried because the pizza was so good unfortunately they got bought out um so it's not quite the same it's still all right but you know there's a couple places around here where it's you know definitely jersey style pie
1: all right you can get it there you have it yeah Um, yeah i I go to a place in brooklyn so shout out to gino my guy making that brooklyn full house when i go there he knows what i like no (laughs) extra Italian sausage and peppers
3: When it comes to The Sopranos, though, I think you're maybe underestimating the possibility here. Now, I am Hmm. certainly looking forward to to seeing The um, Many Saints of Newark, which I believe Hmm. hits streaming services on Friday. Is that correct?
1: That's correct, yeah.
3: Right? Uh, HBO Max,
1: right?
3: Yep, HBO Max. So, me... If this was like a non-COVID world that we were living in, uh, that where COVID never happened, I would probably be going to the theater to see it. I, I am um, hmm, okay. standing by my statement that uh, Halloween Kills was going to be my first trip back to the theater, but there was a monkey wrench in it. It's going, actually going to be my second, but I'll get to that in a moment. But I think you're underestimating okay. I have nothing to do with the enduring. Right <laughs> I think that you are underestimating the enduring appeal of The Sopranos. And I know that Chase has come out and spoken mm. against the, uh, the the HBO Max uh, partnership, and I, yeah. I actually have a, some, some news on that and everything. But uh, The Sopranos is actually, and I don't know if it's because of the looming prequel that's been announced and coming for some time. Yeah. The Sopranos um, is actually uh, humongously popular once again, Uh, With Mm -hmm. a younger audience having found it. Uh, (laughs) However, they do the metrics and whatnot, like the amount of watching of The Sopranos via streaming uh, in the, in like the, like, I guess like the 18 to 25 demographic is like leading the way, Mm -hmm. which uh, it it has been now that those numbers are now skewered because there's been a lot of rewatching going on from people that have seen it to kind of gear up for the prequel. Uh, But. I think that I have I've heard nothing about the quality of this movie. Uh, I feel that whatever they use to determine the success between streams and theater will certainly uh, tell the tale of whether or not there's going to be more anything more Sopranos related. Um, you know, I'm curious. I am curious to see to see how it does. Uh, I do not plan to see it in the theater. I certainly will watch it on HBO Max. Um, but i'm certainly i am curious to see how how it does but the the sopranos has like a has another like new life, and even with you know a younger generation who maybe is not fully into the violence and womanizing and and all of the things that uh happen on that show uh it still continues to find new audience so i'm i'm s i am extremely curious to see how how this new film is going to do
1: mm-hmm, you too. Hope it does well, especially with the, the new audience. That's kinda of great. I, I, you know that's one yeah. of those shows where I recommend anybody looking for a new show. Especially if they have HBL yeah, like, guy. Yeah, if you, never saw yeah, it, if you, you haven't
3: if, it. I mean I feel like <laughs> I feel like there might not be that many people uh like walking around that I interact with that have not seen it, but um I mean I I haven't watched uh the seasons in, in years and years and years and years and years. But every every now and again, um I end up tumbling down like a YouTube rabbit hole watching like notable scenes. And, you know, once I start watching notable scenes, the algorithm takes over and <clears throat> I then see more notable scenes. Uh, so uh, that has been something that I have done as of late.
1: Well, oh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the things that's how I did. It. I mean, I, I, like I said, at the start of the show, before you joined on, I just been watched all six seasons. Uh, Through HBO because HBO has all of them up. So I was from I think Thursday until yesterday. Yeah, I did them all. So still holds up. Jeez, still great show. (laughs) It's just great to see you know how how James Gandolfini went from like wow look at this guy you know sane and then you know in charge and all of a sudden by the last season man he really filled those shoes. Uh, You know he was all about that (laughs) eating too much of that pasta over at the Vesuvio, but you know still. One of the best. You know, James Gandolfino said of the show on the show before, the best actors, I think, of, you know, that I could think of recently. Guy could beat Tony Soprano, and then he could go and be in the Mexican with uh, Brad Pitt. Or romance and cigarettes, Susan Sarandon, and be a completely different fucking person.
2: So, or a true
3: romance been, where he plays another gangster-type character that beats the oh, living shit out of uh, Patricia Arquette.
1: Oh, that whole fight scene in that motel was fucking genius. Especially when she slams that fucking corkscrew into its fucking foot. Yeah. Uh, this uh, it was a great scene, great character. But, uh, monkey, do you have anything you want to talk about before we get into horror news today?
2: Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yes, because the king put all the talking terror page. All right, December 29th on Disney Plus, the book of Boba Fett is coming. Yeah, that's right. So the Star Wars fans get ready because fucking. Boba Fett's getting his own fucking show. Hell fucking yeah, and that means more action figures for my action, my Boba Fett action figure collection. So hell
1: yeah! <laughs> I did that for you. I saw that and I was like, I'm doing it for the monkey. I I don't no idea what it is, but it's Boba Fett. I know you love that guy. So yeah, December twenty ninth only on Disney. I o'clock.
2: do. Yep, that's my I motherfucker. <laughs>
1: See, yes. I and mean, it's a prequel thing. I don't know if it's a prequel thing or whatever. I was like, maybe they're following them. No, no, no.
2: This is the continuing story after his appearance in the Mandalorian. So this is the continuing oh, story of
1: after that. Oh, okay. uh, see, I, yes. I would have liked the high school years better. With him going through it and uh, you know, experiencing uh bounty hunter school. You
2: know, it. Well, you know, he kind of didn't have any you school, know, you, you know, because he had, he had, you know, he had to watch his dad get his head cut off by Mace Windu <laughs> in, in the Clone Wars, you know, so he kind of had a fucked up childhood.
1: <laughs> I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, use that as like a hood ornament or something like that. You're pretty badass flying around <laughs> with your, you know, your dad's uh, head on the on the hood. I don't think anybody would want to fuck with you then, man. You'd <laughs> be good. Is that his dad's head? Oh my oh. god, he's badass. You don't want to fuck with that Man, guy. Man,
2: he's so he's so fucking hardcore. And he's only ten.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where do you learn how to drive? I don't know. Somebody must have taught him around here. Same
2: person that taught Michael Myers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both <laughs> had Myers. Yeah. <laughs> he's flying with her Michael.
2: <laughs> Michael Myers driving school. <laughs> yeah.
1: All of a sudden, it's Michael Myers as a as a bounty hunter in space. Somebody's <laughs> probably thought of that no, somewhere.
2: I'm just seeing the infomercials now. Just having trouble getting your license. Don't no worry, come on down to the Michael Myers School of Driving, <laughs>
1: where Dr. Loomis is like a fucking teacher. I mean, that's the only thing yeah, I can think of Michael's exactly. He's not gonna be very chatty. Do you
0: have? No, I'm doc- talking about Loomis guy. Do you
1: not know how to drive? Damn it, Michael, he's how to drive. For only thirteen ninety nine. He was doing very well last night. Dr. Loomis is wacky. <laughs>
0: Come on down to Michael there you go, driving to school for the criminal
1: insane. Oh, 13 per lesson. And before long, you'll be doing very well last night as well. And if you fail this course, it's six shots. Wow, Loomis is going hard, Jordan you to shoot people in the chest six times if they don't get through their course. Maybe that's why his business is failing. You know, course. All
2: right, but you know that's all I got. <laughs> so, Dean, what have you got here for horror news, Matt?
3: Well, when I was talking about uh, – well, I guess I'll segue. Well, not segue, but I'll just stay on, stay on what I was talking about. Dude. Uh, when I had referenced my first trip back to the theater is Halloween kills I don't know if anybody has uh, checked this out, but uh, Jard Carpenter has uh, released the uh, the third uh, different track mm-hmm. uh, from the upcoming Halloween kills soundtrack um, and the there's been two previous tracks released uh, one called unkillable uh, one called Rampage and this one called Michael's Legend. Uh, it's good. And I feel yeah. I've listened to all three. Uh, they sound pretty good. Mm-hmm. I found uh, that they all sound uh, like Halloween, but but mm-hmm. updated and a little more modern. I, I felt that the the new the third one that was released, the um, Michael's Legend, was the one that felt kind of the most familiar, even though yeah. uh, it still had like a more modern bent to it. Uh, so you know so that's that's sounding great, and uh like i like I said, uh, the Halloween Kills was going to be uh, my first trip back to the theater on October fifteenth, but a wrinkle uh, an unavoidable in my mind wrinkle uh, has thrown a monkey wrench into those plans so now,, oh. my first trip uh, back to the movie theater is not going to be Friday, October fifteenth it is going to be. Thursday, October fourteenth, because uh, the good people over at the good people over at Fathom Events uh, are hmm. doing a one night only uh, special presentation. And uh, even though uh, I play hockey on Thursday nights, I checked my schedule for the time of my league game. Uh, And I checked the closest theater to where I play uh, for the showtime, and it's going to work that I will be able to see uh, this film. Uh, In all its glory, me seeing it for the first time uh, in the theater, the classic 1986 film uh, directed by Hal Needham, One Night Only, the true true reigning BMX champion film, Rad, One Night Only. Uh, Oh, oh, shit.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. That rules. That's awesome.
2: Oh, oh we're gonna have to play up our way into prom. We're gonna <laughs> I I just I I I I all along
3: I said that Halloween kills there's like there like there's not much that would have popped up between now and then. That would have swayed my decision, but there's just no way. Uh, There's no way that I can not see take the opportunity to see Rad. I watched it recently on. I have a burnt uh, DVD copy, and uh, recently the ghoul uh, was watching it, and like I dug out my. I have a a, you know I talk about my Tupperware tub in my shed that still has some DVDs. I dug out my Rad and threw it on, and uh, you know the ghoul and I were watching and discussing, but. Uh, th- there's just there's just no way I cannot go to see this film in the theaters. This is one of my absolute, absolute uh, favorites. And uh, even though when I sold all of my DVDs, I would not have been able to sell that one because it was like a burnt DVD. Even though it was in like an actual ra- rag case, I think I got it off of eBay. Um, you know, there was no way that that would have been in the sell pile. You know, that was a keeper for sure. So, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, there's just no way that I'm not gonna see it. So Thursday, October fourteenth, I will be seeing Rad uh at um the showtime is seven o'clock. Uh and that will give me plenty of time to see the film and then go play my hockey game at nine thirty. So um I'm very okay. excited. Um when I bought my ticket I was the only uh the only uh person and was able to pick a, like a like a great seat. No one had bought a seat oh, yet yeah. and, uh, I'm, I'm
2: just, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm,
3: I couldn't be more excited.
2: Man, I feel idea. sorry for, I feel sorry for anyone who's going to go up against the Gene in that game that night, man, because slow, he's going to be so roll. fucking pumped up Thanks. after uh, he finishes. That, <laughs> you're, you're probably
3: right, monkey, but that that has happened to me before. Uh, my little local, so. My, yeah my little local theater in town where you you know you pick your own seat i was the only fucking person and someone picked the fucking seat like right fucking next to me with the only two fucking people in the theater and i i i i i i, I was dumbfounded when i saw another person come in um and 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 fucking I, I i didn't even know what to do i i left the theater for a minute like i went out of the room and then i came back and i sat somewhere else like I just, I I, I, I was shocked. I was shocked. I was like, oh, what on earth? And like sat down. Like didn't say hi. Like nothing. Like just walked in, sat down, and like got ready for the film. And I was like, I'm not fucking staying in this seat. Are you (laughs) kidding me? So it was the weirdest fucking thing. Never in a million years would I even consider making a move like that. No, out of all
1: the seats. Oh, look, I'll sit next to the one person that's sitting here. We can experience it together. No, sir. Fucking take another seat. You want to cut? (laughs)
2: The the
3: and <laughs> When you go to, the, to, to the window to buy your <laughs> ticket, they pop up the screen so you can see what seats are available yeah. and what isn't. So that person, when I picked the seat, it wasn't like that person ordered the ticket at home earlier in the day. <laughs> I got to the theater and picked my seat there, and all of the seats in the theater were available. Um... You know, so it wasn't like, oh, I picked the seat and that person already bought it. Like, that seat was available when I bought my ticket. So that means that person came and saw the screen <laughs> and saw one seat taken and picked the fucking ticket. God,
1: that's a dick move. What, wow. what, <laughs> you know, want to cuddle
3: while we watch Rambo?
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, seriously. I can't remember what film know, it was. It wasn't Rambo because I didn't see Rambo at my local theater. I can't remember what what one it was. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see Rambo at my local theater. Um, they actually didn't even show Rambo at my local theater. Um, I can't remember what movie. I wish I wish I did. Um, it might have been A Quiet Place. It might have been. I'm trying to think of the pre-COVID films that I saw. It definitely was not Once Upon <laughs> a Time in Hollywood. It might have been A Quiet right. Place. It might have been. It might have been Us. Um, and it, it, like I know it wasn't. It wasn't Halloween uh, 2018. And I know it wasn't Rambo. Um, I just I can't remember I can't remember what it was But anyway that's neither here nor there and we don't need to, we're not here to talk about this all night so let's move along shall we
2: yeah, let's go now
3: yes sir <laughs> while while I impatiently wait for a news of a release date of the boys season three uh, apparently this mm-hmm. was announced last year and I was not aware of this maybe this was even announced last year before I even started watching the boys but apparently There's going to be uh, the Boys' spin-off series uh, on Amazon. uh, That, yes, Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to
0: be a Boys' spin-off
3: series uh, that is going to be set at America's only college for young adult superheroes, which happens to be run by Vote International. Uh, It has been described as an irreverent R-rated series that explores the lives of hormonal competitive soups as they put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to the test, competing for the best contracts in the best cities, part college show, part Hunger Games, with all the heart, satire, and raunch of the boys. Uh, so um, they're calling it, a, like, the spin spin-off uh, will exist, obviously, in the, in the Vogue universe, uh, but will have mm-hmm. a tone and style all of its own. All of its own. They saying uh, the showrunners are saying that it is their take on a college show with an ensemble of fascinating, complicated, and sometimes deadly young suits. Uh, so uh, no word on when uh, when this is going to debut. Uh, but the notes here just has uh, just some casting notes uh, set to star. I don't know any of these performers, so if any of these names are familiar, uh, you know, just shout it out if you will. But Somebody called okay. somebody named Justin Clare, who was on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, somebody named mm-hmm. Lizzie Broadway, who was on Here and Now. Uh, somebody named Shane Paul McGee, who was in Unbelievable. Uh, Amy Carrero, who was in Elena of Avalor. Uh, Raina Hardesty, mm-hmm. who was in Brockmire. And Maddie Phillips, who was in Teenage Bounty Hunters. So those are uh, there'll be more casting, uh, you know, to be announced. But uh, no release date uh, either for the boys spinoff series. And I hope I get a release date for season three before I get a release date for the boys' spinoff series. But I'm excited about the boys' spinoff series, and this is truly the first time I've heard about
2: it. That's so weird, man, because back in the day, some friends of mine made a, a comic book called Super Frat, and it was about superpowered people that were in a fraternity house, so it was like Animal House, but everyone in the Animal House all had different superpowers. So it just sounds right. so much like that. <laughs>
1: Could be a lawsuit.
3: I will talk to them. I really do hope. <laughs> I, I, I it has not. I have not seen it as confirmed, but I really do hope that season three uh, covers that. That I don't remember what the event was called, but apparently there's that uh, that massive superhero orgy that takes place on an island. Uh, there's whispers mm-hmm. that this is going to be featured in the third season, so so we'll see. Oh nice.
1: Thanks.
2: Oh yeah, oh, isn't really, it like yeah. called
3: Hero Gasm yeah.
2: or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it yep. might be
3: called that it might be called something like that. I know that I've talked about this uh when I uh, there was some news where the actor who plays uh who plays Homelander uh talked about how season three is the most batshit crazy thing and etc, cetera, etc cetera. That was the news item that I had on that live
1: yeah. and
2: They have finished shooting it, so now we just gotta wait for them to finish up in post.
1: <laughs> and post. Ho- and hopefully we'll get yeah. yes. this in the sure. next year. I'm yes. sure it'll be 2022. So it'll definitely be that. You know, that Stranger Things 4. Both coming out next year. That's going to be a good year for for series. Can't wait. <laughs> All right, let's anticipate <laughs> that. Right. So what's next, Ian? What do you got? Uh,
3: I, we were talking about the Many Saints of Newark, and it seems that the Warner Media CEO <laughs> – regrets rushing into the HBO max and theatrical same day, uh, deal. Uh, they said that at oh. the time, uh, that that was obviously based on COVID-19 and they wanted all of their bases covered and they wanted to rush to get that done and announced because they didn't want any information about that being leaked to the media. Uh, but the CEO says that maybe, uh, maybe they rushed too hard on that deal and he didn't go as far as saying that uh, it was a mistake. Um, but all things indicated uh, that maybe if they had the opportunity to do things over, that maybe they would not have struck such a deal as the one that they did uh, with the Warner Brothers and HBO Max uh, streaming service. So being that at the mm-hmm. top of the hour, we were talking about, um, you know, the, the many chains of Newark, I thought that I would share that little tidbit with you all uh, here on this program. Well,
1: yeah, and, and it goes hand in hand with what else I said at the top with Halloween Kills. Uh, having a day release date with um, Peacock Premium, so at the same date in theaters, you can go watch it at home on Peacock Premium. So, and that one came out of nowhere. That that announcement the, was just like, oh yeah, by the way, you know, it was a whoa. Okay. Yeah,
3: yeah, totally.
1: Apparently, um, and yeah. I don't
3: know. They must be. They they must be looking at. Um, they're, they they have to have. Uh, Metrics with all of the films that are being released to the theaters with how they're doing for real and based on how they feel they might be doing in a non-COVID world, which is leading to some of these decisions, you know, like, you know, announcing that, uh, you know, announcing Halloween Kills is going to be streaming, like, just a couple of weeks before its release. Like, they must have a way to to predict what kind of business it's going to do um, which is going to, which causes them to, to lead to that kind of choice. You know what I'm saying? Oh,
1: there's, there's got to be some reason why. Because it just kinda, it wasn't like it was like planned. Where it's like, oh, by the way, you know, if you don't want to go to theaters, you can just go see it at home when it releases. But no, this is just like, bam, we're putting it out there. So yeah, like you said, Dean, they have to have some kind of understanding, you know, of, of what's going to happen because it's just you know people want to go to the theaters to see it, obviously, but you know, it's just as easy to sit at home. And you have to have a subscription to Peacock Premium. To, to, I think it's like $5.99 if you don't have Xfinity to, uh, to have that service. So it's interesting to see how they're doing it. But, you know, it went yeah. to the whole thing of is it going to be at-home viewing now? Because even Dune, that big theatrical – that I thought was going to be a big theatrical release, they're doing it on HBO Max as well. So oh, they that, are? that movie would just be direct to theaters. Yeah, it's been coming to HBO Max next month. So – all right, yeah, see. they've been making announcements about that. So. so It seems like that's the way... I mean, I'm surprised. I figured that movie so, would be right in the theaters, because they were like, uh, cash to make the, blo- the, yeah. the budget. Yeah. No? Right? Max. as well as theaters. So you can yes. go see th- theaters as well, but they're offering the at-home viewing, too, which I thought was bizarre. That seems like a movie that's a fucking expensive movie. You know, I'm just going to want to put it in yeah. Max as well. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, I do for how many times it's uh, been back, you know, they they, they definitely yeah. want that money. <laughs> yeah.
3: Sorry, Gina. Yeah, I'm just doing a quick mic check here. You guys hearing me? I
1: can yeah, hear you. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, okay, good. I, I can I was hear you now. A, a tech issue but not, but I'm up. Okay, good. Uh, so, um, good. I for one I don't know about you guys, but I am really, really enjoying uh, every time I open up the avenues where I look at horror news and uh, movie info. Uh, I've really been digging all of the kind of hype and excitement surrounding uh, surrounding Elvira right now. Uh, I totally dig yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I have been a, a, a fan of Elvira for as long as I can remember. And uh, I'm ex- I'm like thrilled that she's still around and still out there doing it. Like it just, uh, you know, I'm not the hugest fan of Elvira in the world. I don't have any Elvira stuff. I don't have any Elvira merch. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I probably will, will not, not the live version, but once it's up on demand, I'll probably check in on the shutter special. Um, but I, I, I am totally digging this and, Uh, The the fine folks over at Bright Rags uh, have announced the creation of Elvira clothing line to celebrate Elvira these days. Uh, There's going to be uh, hats and trucker hats, T-shirts, long-sleeve T-shirts, hoodies, tie-dyes, and even one of the T-shirts harkens back to her days when she was a pitchwoman for Coors Light uh, long ago, uh, I remember very specifically the Byright Liquors in Gordon's Corner yeah. Road in Monmouth, New Jersey had the, the like the life-size cardboard cutout of Elvira in the lobby, uh, like because they had like the door and then you had like there was like this little vestibule and then another door into the store and in that little vestibule was like mm-hmm. Elvira like a cardboard cutout holding cans of Coors Light. And one of the T-shirts, it doesn't say Coors Light, but he's holding the beer cans, and it says Elvira Summer of 91. And, like, the designs on the cans very obviously looks like a Coors Light can. Um,
0: mm-hmm. and I thought
3: that was very exciting. And lo and behold, uh, they just announced this clothing line. And I actually went to the Fright Rags shirt to see what the Fright, the Fright Rags site to see what was doing. And I saw that beer shirt and I actually like, opened it up and was going to make a purchase. And lo and behold, almost the entire Elvira clothing line store is completely sold out. Um, yes,
0: it is. Shit, That's awesome.
3: Uh, <laughs> the, awesome. Totally awesome. Uh, now, uh, A lot of the items like right on the page say sold out, but the the T-shirt did not say sold out. But when I opened up the link, like all of the size, like I would buy an XL, uh, the small, medium, large, extra, like all the sizes were sold out. There was maybe like one size available, uh, but not a size that would work for me. So uh, business is good in the bright red Elvira clothing line. So uh, you better act fast uh, if you want to be able to secure something for yourself. Uh, I have such strong memories of that Elvira beer advertisement that I would have bought that T-shirt today, uh, but lo and behold, uh, it was sold out. Maybe given the huge business that they did, if all of this stuff is sold out, they'll do they'll they'll have to make some more, and then hopefully I'll get a chance uh, the next time. But I I am digging all of the kind of good vibes surrounding Elvira right now. I
1: sent you the sticker on the group chat, uh, Dean. I do have it on my fridge. <laughs> That exact same old thing I that you were just talking about. <laughs> so, yeah, I have it on my fridge at home. But, yeah, I remember the commercials, too. Like when she was doing the Coors Light commercials for the contest where you could win a trip to the uh, Bates Motel at uh, yeah. Universal, Florida. So, yeah. And yeah, she was a big part of the, the 80s and into the 90s. So, it's great to see her still doing it and still having fun. And, and you know, she has that uh, memoir that you were talking about last week that just came out, Cruel Yours. Yep. That I'm hoping to pick up. So, yeah. So big time profile right now. Big pickup. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll also break, on one of the
2: uh, f- free streaming uh channels, they also brought back all all of the um L, L- Fira episodes. <laughs> so That's you right? can check check it out. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Very cool. All right. So what else mm-hmm. to have you have, Dean?
3: Uh other uh not as uh, property, not as old as uh, or as for as long as Elvira has been around. But uh, we all know that there is a, a new Scream film on the way, uh, once again titled Scream, which I feel like I, I don't necessarily understand, like. Same thing with 2018 Halloween. Like, I guess we just all refer to it as, like, Halloween 2018. But, like, Scream, yeah. the upcoming Scream 5, just being called Scream, I guess, down the road, it's just going to be referred to as Scream 2022. But um, hmm. the real owners of the house uh, featured in the film Scream uh, for three different nights in October are opening their doors uh, via Airbnb uh, on October 27th, 29th, 29th and 31st for uh, one-night stay options uh, for a screen experience. Uh, David Arquette, in character, uh, will virtually greet uh, the people that get to book that experience. Uh, People that do (laughs) book this experience uh, will get a chance to explore the entire house uh, there is going to be a scream uh, movie marathon uh, via VHS, of course. Uh, there is going oh, to be a dedicated there's going to be a dedicated phone line on site where you can reach Ghostface directly, who also awesome. may call you too. Uh, there's going to be '90s <laughs> snacks. Uh, there's going to be Jiffy Pop popcorn. There's going to be pizza, and there's going to be ice cream with all of the ready whip that you can eat.
0: And you
3: uh, will also take home uh, a bunch of Scream memorabilia uh, and so on and so forth. So uh, I do not know what's the, what this is going to cost at this time. I followed the link to Airbnb, uh, and I guess you have to put some kind of money on it to, to get your listing up there. You can't book it yet. Booking is not, is not starting till October 12th, and right now it only says five bucks. But uh, there's no way that's going to be the case. Uh, maybe I'll take a look later on and, and You know, when it gets time for booking and check that out, I would imagine that's going to get snapped up pretty quick. Uh, But anyway, uh, if you are in the greater Los Angeles area and you're uh, available on the 27th, 29th, and 31st, you can book a stay at the Scream House um,
1: and have a Scream
3: experience. Uh, Sounds like a pretty cool interactive kind of thing, if I
1: may say so myself. Oh, yeah. I would do that right away if I was up in that area. Because they did that once before, like a year or so ago. They had like a Scream weekend. Yeah where people got to, like, hang out in the house and spend the night and shit like that. But it was like a whole experience. So this one just seems more intimate. This one seems like, yeah, you book it and you and your friends. I mean, that's killer. I would. I would do that for a weekend. Give me some Jiffy Pop, you know, all you can eat, you know, know, candy from the 90s, stuff like that, VHS tapes. Take me back. But, yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. And it's like one of those locations where it's actually livable, and people live in that place. It's not like the Halloween shooting locations where, you know, with sets and things like that, and people aren't going to let you in there, you know. But it's cool. But the the people that own that house are letting you.
2: Yeah, because I want to say I think the original time, like you know, um, you know, wasn't hosted by
1: one of the other actresses, not David Arquette. Uh, I know that Matthew Willard uh, showed up at one point to that scream experience weekend, but I don't think any of the others showed up. I'm not sure Neb oh, okay. or Courtney Cox or any of them showed up. So but I do know that it was just like an interactive weekend where you could tour the house and, you know, if you paid a certain amount of money you could stay in one of the rooms, you know. And it's a very isolated area, so it is kinda like spooky, I would imagine, especially at night. You know, you're the only house around really. So could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I
3: agree, man. Okay. <laughs> so, what else do you got, Dean? What do you got <laughs> Uh So, <clears throat> in 2022, uh, <laughs> Full Moon Films, <laughs> the five books under ah. Full Moon Films, are <laughs> oh, teaming <no>. up with, <laughs> They're teaming up with October Games uh, with a Puppet Master video game. Uh, this is going to be a multiplayer uh, PC game. Uh, based on the Hmm. Puppet Master series. And uh, when this game does arrive in 2022, it's going to be free for all to play. Uh, So if you are such a fan of the Puppet Master series in the world of film, and you'd like to continue that in the world of gaming, uh, and you have a PC, uh, you will get the opportunity to play the Puppet Master game for free sometime in 2022. Surprised it
1: took them this long. To make a video game. We're going in 2022. They never made a Puppet Master game. I wonder if the Ginger Dead Man's going to be in there. Uga Booga. unlockable characters. Oh, oh
3: geez, y- yeah. I yeah, said know, that they're covering well, the entire full moon uh, universe. This just says the Puppet Master. Um, and I know sometimes some of the other characters appear in the other films, <laughs> like Ginger Dead Man and Uga Booga and all the rest.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, oh, yeah, man, what a yeah, fucking,
3: evil bong. What a what a gang over there. Man, what a gang. I would love to hear the fucking, like, I would love to sit, I'd love to be the fly on the wall in the writer's room when they're fucking throwing these ideas around and coming up with new ideas, you know, like, it must be, it must be side-splittingly hilarious sometimes, because they say shit outside, out loud, and it might sound like the most outlandish shit that you've ever heard in your life, and then six months later, it's on the fucking screen, you know?
1: <laughs> There's got to be a lot of weed. Just a lot of, of mind-altering drugs, and just throwing shit at the wall. <laughs> Yeah, you know, what if you had a little guy and you had a spear and he would be ooh, that's cool, okay, steady, <laughs> bowling alley, okay, I'm in it so far, uh, lots of titties, okay, you've got to have titties. <laughs> Man, but, yeah, I would like to watch a full moon just to what, hear those fucking sessions. <laughs>
2: And, of course, it's going to be a free-to-play game because it's one of those things where it's going to pull the fans in, but it's going to get your money through micro-purchases you know, because, like the king said, unlockable characters that you can probably buy. You know, and that's how they'll be making their money. Don't worry. They'll definitely be making some money off of this
1: somehow. Well, they have a streaming service that people pay for. So I'm say they're getting money from somewhere. There's somebody out there that's paying a monthly subscription to the Full Moon you know, uh, category, you know, catalog. So <laughs> somebody out there is having a great time. And they're making their money because they keep cranking out these movies because they cost like 20 bucks to make on the fly.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, what else can we make? They, they, I don't know.
2: <laughs>
1: Ginger Dead Man? And they yeah, have this do it. <laughs>
2: And they have the testicular fortitude to sit there and then do say raise funds for on oh, GoFundMe. You know, can, can, we we can't afford the twenty dollar movie. You know, can, can you raise the money for it? <laughs>
1: People will pay for it. I guarantee you they probably reach their goals and then film. Meanwhile, Adam Chaplin, part two, I mean, it's just you know, twenty five percent. They need to think like four minutes. <laughs>
3: I heard the King of yeah. Horror Not quite uh, the same donated some money on the fly <laughs> to the Adam Chaplin two Kickstarter.
0: I did. Yep.
1: Two dollars. Here's your two dollars. Make it happen. <laughs> yeah, Raising but he did it didn't up in to your twenty five point five <laughs> Yeah, I just I just wanna have a credit in the movie. I don't want to be in it, but I just want a credit in the movie. Thank you so much for donating, King of Horror. Two dollars. Man, met our budget.
2: And the and the credit is gonna to say talking terror.
1: <laughs> oh, I would put our name on there. <laughs> Proudly donated by the folks over at Talking Terror. Get the stir of the Kool-Aid that makes the blood. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dean, so what's next? What do you got?
3: Uh let's see, what do we got? What do we got? October every, every, all they're putting all of this stuff out of course to get re- get ready for the, uh, the Halloween season. but uh, while <laughs> it premiered recently at something called Fantastic Fest, uh, upcoming film by the Banana splits director Daniska Esterhazy uh, debuting on the Sci-Fi network on October 16th will get the opportunity to check out the slum- mm, excuse me the Slumber Party massacre remake. Uh, the sci-fi exclusive, mm-hmm. uh, there is a short trailer out now if you want to check that out, but if you have been following mm-hmm. along on the Slumber Party Massacre, uh, you know, train, and I have been looking forward to it, October 16th, you will finally get your chance.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of want to check it out, because the, the teaser is out, it's on the, the Talking Terror page if you guys want to check it out. 30 seconds. Um, you know, it's a, a bunch of co ed in a cabin, and there's the killer with the drill. And uh, it looks fun. It does. I mean, I, you know, I'm apprehensive about it because it did show kind of a lot of the money shots, a lot of the kills with the drill, and, uh, you know, the girls having fun. But I, just, I hope they don't go in the direction of Black Christmas from 2019 and kind of make it a very, uh, you know, very woke statement about women fighting back against killers and things like that. Just make it fun. You know, it looks like the trailers going back to the '80s with, with the fun that they're having with the gore and, and girls dancing around and boys being horny little guys. Just keep it that way. Just keep it in that level, and I think you got a good movie. I think it's going to be a good revisioning of the original, which was also written by a woman and directed by a woman. Just, you know, that's what I think a lot of people are nervous about is that it's going to try to have a, a message. You know, you don't need to have a message in a slasher film. Keep it the slasher.
2: Yeah, just, <laughs> just have fun with it, man. And we know sci-fi can mm-hmm. actually put out some good slasher films. You know, when they did the <clears throat> excuse me latest installment of the Leprechaun series, that yeah. one was actually fun. That one was good. It was a good actual solid slasher. You know, so we know sci-fi can do it. You know, it's just are they go- you know willing to? That's the big thing.
1: Yeah. And that's, uh, I think they are. Like I said, it's a quick 30-second bit, you know. So you're, you're going to get a lot of the money shots, and basically it's just a very simple premise. But just to have the driller killer look similar, you know, the denim jacket and pants and going, you'll love it. Like, I was like, okay, I'm into it. I'm kind of into this. Like, you know, as much as I love the original <laughs> one, I think it's one of the best slashers to come post-Halloween, Friday the 13th. Just a lot of fun, and that's what you want in a slasher. I think this one could have fun, too. Just, you know, be careful with the dialogue. <laughs> It's like we we are we are one. We are women, and we will dominate. No, like, you know, fight back. But at the same time, you know, just keep your messages out. You know, say for a different movie with a more serious tone. You know, that's what happened with Black Christmas. Just too heavy with the message. All right, we get it. Guys are terrible. You know, can we move on? I just want to see kills. And we couldn't even get that. We couldn't even get these things. Ah. it was all off. It was like off screen. Like almost all of them were off screen. So, come on. At least this one looks like they're going to oh, really geez. go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> even though the original wasn't that bloody, you know, wasn't that gore filled, you know, it had its moments, but you no. Know, this we're in a different time. We're in 2019. I'm, you know, I want to see some gore. I want to see some violence, but didn't deliver. Carrie always was good, and then he just kind of fell out of the movie at a certain point, so. yeah, I don't even think he knew what he was doing after a while. His, but, his paycheck ran. Right now. And here they oh, Time to go. <laughs> Well, looks like the final check came in. Guess I'll step out of the picture. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> see you later. But we still have more scenes. Yeah, no, c- no, I'm good.
2: Yeah, because it was just like that other uh, horror movie where it's like, fuck, I'm having a brain fart on it. But there's an actor in it, and he was only in for part-time, and then boom, like, he just fucking cut out the rest of the
1: movie. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. No. No, it happens. Yeah. You know, where they show up, and then they're right out of there. Just to put the name on the mark. Oh,
2: uh Oh, I was I was thinking uh, Terror Train. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, yeah, Terror Train. Yeah, but that's that's, a, yeah, that's another one. But yeah, so or Wesley Nielsen in uh, Prom Night, where he kind of he's there, but he's not really there. <laughs> like, yeah, and I'll pop up in one scene, then I'll disappear for. Where the fuck did he go? Like, you know, he was he was at the dance, and then he just kind of disappeared in the background. So no. <laughs> You know, even in the finale, he you're like, oh, go he's going to show cat, up. Right. <laughs> he had other things to do. He was getting ready for another police, you know, police squad, you know, show. <laughs> I don't know. But he definitely just bounced out of that movie at a certain point. But, you know, God, I mean, I'm a huge fan of that movie, too, so I can't say problem. <laughs> and it's better than that when it <laughs> came out in the mid-2000s with Brittany Snow and Jonathan Shake, where it was PG-13, and the only thing the killer did was slice their neck a little bit, and they're like, oh, dead. Ugh. God, that he's terrible. Like, you know, yeah, I saw that in the theater, so I'm I, I'm to blame for that one. I was expecting something, and I got nothing. But you know, that's what it is with remakes, because we have one on tap later tonight, so we'll see how that one does. But all right, Dean. So what else do you have? Uh, so uh,
3: while they uh, are notorious for not sharing numbers when it comes to Uh, the success of what they stream on their platform, Uh, the folks over at Netflix have announced that uh, their current show uh, that is streaming from Korea called Squid Game, uh, which I have not personally watched yet, but I have added to my queue, uh, which apparently is some type of mix of uh, like Battle Royale and Survivor, et cetera, et cetera, they say is already going to smash Netflix viewer records and uh, on a global scale. And they said already uh, it's their biggest non-English show uh, in the whole world. Uh, so That's Squid Game yeah. on Netflix is all of the rage right now. Uh, it's it's actually, I might actually start watching it later this evening, uh, but, uh, you know, they were eager to talk, to tout uh, the massive, uh, streaming popularity of this show thus far, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of it or have seen it yet, um but I've heard some good things, and we'll probably check it out later. A lot of the kids I, I are talking
2: about it. it on all of the horror pages on Facebook, you know they're bringing yeah. it up you know, oh, yeah. have you checked out you know squid games or midnight mask? you know those are the two big series right now that all the kids are watching, you know, but yeah, I had no idea what the hell it was, thanks, Dean. <laughs>
1: Yeah, 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 I've heard of it and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I know that uh, Midnight Mass is the other one. I know my mother emailed me about that. She's like, Oh, did you hear about this Midnight Mass? You're gonna watch it? And I said, No. I don't like Mike Flanagan, so fucking no, that's a pass for me. She's like, Well, what did he do personally to you? I was like, He makes movies that I don't like. like right, so that's why I'm not watching it. She's like, Oh fine. She's like, I thought it was great I was like, Well then that's fine I said like, But I'm not I'm not <laughs> but
2: But then on the flip side, I was all excited that everyone was talking about Midnight Mass. I didn't realize it was a new series. And I was like, oh, holy shit. Everyone's checking out this really old B-movie that the diva was in from, like, 2003. Mm -hmm. Holy shit, this is cool. Because it was titled Midnight Mass, and it was shot in Jersey. Mm -hmm. But then Mm -hmm. I looked up and I was like, oh, that that, that, that is definitely not the same thing.
1: (laughs) You can make it your pick one of these days and talk about it. Midnight Mass.
2: No, no. No. <laughs> yeah, no, no, off the table. No, off the table. That, that's an hour and a half I'm not getting back. <laughs> no, well,
1: hey, you may throw out a chaplain, okay. Then you can make it through a minute and a again. <laughs> Moving on, what else you got, team?
3: <laughs> Moving on, uh, what else uh, do I do I have? Uh, Monkey you shared this on our I believe it was you that shared this on our chat uh, a week or two weeks ago uh, but I just saw this making the rounds uh, you know yesterday or today Uh, but Gilman himself uh, Rico Browning uh, apparently is in poor health at age 91 uh, and his family has requested some uh, actual uh, tangible get well cards in the mail Um, this information is out there in all of the horror world uh, for you to find, Uh, but there is an address, uh, 5221 Southwest 196 lane, uh, Southwest Randalls, Florida, 33332. Uh, I'm not going to repeat that. You can go and find this information very, uh, easily if you were a fan of the, he's also the last living person, I believe, who appeared in one of the original, like universal, uh, films. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you would like to brighten this old man's day with a with a get well card or a card with words of encouragement, uh, you have your opportunity now to touch this uh, small but important piece of film history. So,
2: uh,
3: yeah, I know we were talking about uh, um, this recently in our chat.
2: Yeah, we were. Um, I, I actually created a a post on the Talking Terror page about this, you can reach out to him and, yeah, he is the last living member of the Universal Monsters Actors and he is the man who played the Gill Man and all of the underwater scenes. He's also directed all the underwater shots and was involved with um, a lot of the underwater scenes with the James Bond movie Thunderball. Uh, yeah, and also with the, the TV series Flipper. So, yeah, like the Dean said, Feel free to reach out to him and, you know, just try and make him feel better, the best he can, you know, in possibly his final days.
1: And You sent him something, didn't you?
2: I'm working a on it. I, like am ri- it? I, I am writing him a letter, and then I was going to send him a picture of the gill man that I drew. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely contacting him. Yeah, well, no, you better awesome. hurry,
3: monkey, because it sounds like the clock is ticking, there, buddy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, you might want to get that out this weekend. I don't know if, you know, <laughs> I don't know, how much time you guys? Yeah, have.
2: But, but 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 I'm actually writing him an actual letter, letter, just to say thank you for your contribution to, to the film industry, and you know, it just meant a lot to me because the Gill Man was is yeah. my favorite Universal monster, so. You know, I'm actually writing him a lengthy letter just to say thank you.
1: Well, yeah, we're just saying get it out there. Right. You know, it's going to take a while because the focus oh, isn't exactly. as it used to be. Exactly. My business so Time, is, will make time is
3: ticking, ticking, ticking
1: into the future. Yes, as the <laughs> time keeps Keep Keep it on flipping. Keep on ticking, ticking, It's moving on uh, and moving on. Meanwhile, yeah. Uh.
3: I did want to say, I know I'm looking at the clock, I've got just a couple things. Um, Sure. There is uh, one thing, well, there's a couple of things I want to get to, so I'm just going to talk really fast and we can plow through these. I did not actually think when I originally talked about this next property uh, that it was something that might have ever seen the light of day. Even when they smashed their Kickstarter goals and then moved on to Indiegogo and smashed those goals, I still didn't believe this is something uh, that would see the light of day, and while uh, I don't have, I wrote it down somewhere. I don't, I'm not seeing uh, the, uh, the release date. Uh, I'm looking it up real quick, but there is a trailer and a release date. There it is, October 22nd. Uh, that film that I started telling you about quite some time ago, F-13, uh, sorry, thirteen, F uh, uh, thirteen, sorry,
0: thirteen
3: Fanboy, uh, October 22nd. Uh, 2021 uh, is going to be out there for, for us to see. Uh, simultaneously released into limited theaters as well as video on demand uh, but I really truly didn't think that we were ever going to actually see this film uh, that is starring uh, D. Wallace, Kane Hodder, Mark Park Lincoln, Corey Feldman, T.J. Graham uh, and, uh, and more alumni uh, from all of the in films in like this kind of meta world uh, the, I'm I don't have high hopes, but I'm also kind of excited to check this out, because uh, yeah. I've been following this saga since I first uh, talked about this news on our show quite some time ago.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. Trail is up on the Talking terror page, if you guys want to check it out. 13 Fanboy coming.
3: Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. So uh, we'll keep to keep moving right along, uh, back in 2018, uh, kind of you know washed up uh hollywood tough guy uh michael madsen uh working with uh asylum Films, starred in a film called megalodon uh, i don't know if anybody's seen it i certainly have not uh but now uh there's going to be another megalodon a sequel megalodon rising and this time manning the above title space is another uh washed up Hollywood tough guy uh, Tom Sizemore uh, notorious for suffering through uh, massive addiction problems as well as a volatile and violent relationship with Hollywood Madame Heidi Fleiss uh, will be starring in Megalodon Rising uh, teaming up with the Silent Films uh, to release that one as well so uh, if you're a fan of that series uh, and a fan of Tom Sizemore uh, Sizemore is, is, is back to some degree Right, And then finally, uh, break out the wallets, break out your piggy banks, uh, you know, cash in some Bitcoin, whatever you need to do. Because uh, from uh, November 9th to November 11th, uh, Prop Store is going to be holding a
0: huge
3: uh, movie memorabilia auction featuring uh, over 1,000 pieces. Uh, They're expecting their grand haul of all of it to be roughly $7.6 million. But what I'm here to talk about are two specific items uh, that are hitting the auction block. One of those things is Freddy Krueger's glove from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, uh, is going up on the auction block. Uh, The expected haul for that glove is somewhere between... Twenty-seven thousand six hundred dollars and forty-one thousand four hundred dollars. I don't know what they use to figure oh. out those estimations. Uh, but in addition <laughs> to that, uh, the uh, film used Michael Myers mask from Halloween Resurrection is also hitting the auction block, and uh, that is expected to pull a similar amount to uh, to Freddy's glove. Uh, disappointingly, uh, there also is going to be the actual Wilson uh, Volleyball from Castaway, which is expected to pull between fifty and $60,000. Um, you know, fans of the Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween series might grumble grumble there, but obviously, uh, Castaway was a much more globally phenomenal hit. Uh, but anyway, uh, mm-hmm. if you've been saving your money and, and, and looking for your chance to own uh, these pieces of horror history, uh, you know, you should be keeping
2: an eye on the Prop Store
3: memorabilia auction starting on November nineteenth.
2: And this, these right, are yeah, the yeah. actual props this time, not screen accurate props like the the last auction, right? No, these are the legit. These are legit from the bills. Oh, all right, cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, not screen match, like they they do. You know, yeah, sounds like it's legit. So, you know, yeah, you want to yeah for the prices, that's got to be legit. That's got to be you know, authenticity authenticity the whole nine yards. So, yeah, if you got the money, if you got the cash, you can have one of those props. I don't know who want the Halloween Mask Resurrection, but there's some fan out there that wants it. Yeah. Just so he can go trick-or-treat motherfucker and walk around his house and have fun. <laughs>
2: <Good>. <laughs> or if you happen to be a fan of the show and you've got a huge uh, bankroll going on, feel free to sit there and ch- chip in and sit there and put some auctions in. If you happen to win, feel free to contribute it to the the King's Winchester uh, mu- Museum of uh, fi- <laughs> Fine Horror Collectibles. <laughs>
1: Yeah, my my horror antiquity, which has been akin to the TGI Fridays of horror fandom, my constant wall building of, of memorabilia that I have. Yeah, I'm running <laughs> out of wall space, but I'll figure it out one day. i will going make more space. Every time I'm out, I find something new. But, yes. all right, so is that it? Then all you know, no, yes. have, uh,
3: King of Horror, uh, the time has come for you to shine on this week's episode, <laughs> episode of Talking Terror. <laughs>
1: And Shine We Shall uh, with Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978, directed by Philip Kaufman. It's a remake of the 1950s, film uh, of the same name. So in this film, the employee of the Department of Public Health, Elizabeth Driscoll, tells her friend and co-worker, the field investigator Matthew Bennell, that her boyfriend, Dr. Jeffrey Howell, was not the same person. They had it different. Matthew suggests that Elizabeth pays a visit to her friend, the renowned Dr. David Kidner, played by Leonard Nimoy. meet him in a lecture and he tries to convince her that she has some emotional problems with Jeffrey and it's probably what's going on so just relax and go home so while Elizabeth notes that other people are having the same complaints Matthew's friends Nancy and Jack Belichick who own a mud bath uh, business notice that there is a body in their mud bath business that resembles possibly Jack what is this we don't know it seems kind of something alien so they call Matthew and immediately seeks out the help of anybody that will listen and finding clones of her as well. The Quartet that discovers that people are being replaced by alien life forms that are emotionless, and these are going to be taking over the world, invading pods. So that is the, the premise of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We'll go into it more in detail. Uh, it's a movie that I watched a lot uh, when I was younger, because it made the rounds on TV all the time, whether it was TBS or one of the cable networks. And I'm a huge fan of Dolphins Sutherland. Um, I think he's fantastic in it. And seeing a young Jeff Goldblum uh, and also Leonard Nimoy outside of the the spot character is always great, so that's uh, kind of why I picked it. I wanted to kick off October, even though it starts on Friday. I wanted to kick it off with something of a classic, you know, and and see what you guys think about it. So, uh, Dean, what did you think about Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Uh,
3: I, I when you announced this pick last week, uh, I was kind of pleased that uh, you did so because, like you had just said, this is one that I I had seen. Long ago, when I was a kid, but it's also one that I have not seen kind of since that era. Um, I have always found that era uh, Donald Sutherland to to be uh, like as creepy as an adult could be. Uh, just his look, uh, his voice, his carriage—like everything about him uh, is just like super fucking creepy to me. And uh, looking at this film now, what it's surprising to me now, I know there was no PG-13 option in 1978, but it's it's interesting to me that it's from this time uh, that that film was rated PG, because I feel like this would never be rated PG today. But um, I enjoyed watching this today. Uh, when I saw this film long ago, this movie scared the living shit out of me, uh, mm-hmm. mostly uh, because of Donald Sutherland's performance, uh, me, yeah. uh, being a young enough, uh, watcher of film to be completely pulled in and, and sucked into the plot, uh, and also not having been enough, yet enough of a film watcher, uh, to be able, uh, to make accurate predictions to how such a film might turn out. Uh, so when I think of this film, uh, you know, it's one where the, uh, the conclusion... Uh, completely uh, threw me for a loop and scared the living daylights out of me. Now, uh, watching this film today, it does not obviously have the same effect as it once had on my, my young child's mind, uh, but I found it to be uh, an effective, if not slow-moving at times thriller, uh, with some decent scares, uh, some, some decent for-its-time practical effects, uh, and, and solid performances. So I was glad to get a chance to revisit this one. Uh, it's one that I have over the years uh, thought about revisiting, but just never kind of got around to. So thanks for the pick. And, and yeah, this is I like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I, I, you know, so I, I was happy to watch this one again and, and got some enjoyment here.
1: I'm glad. Very good. All right, so, uh, Monkey, what did you think about Invasion of the Body Snatchers?
2: All right, man this was my first time watching it. <laughs> this is one of those things that has been on my list for a long, long time. Uh, so, King, thank you for picking it and forcing me to watch it just because,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, you, you know, I'm a science fiction fan. This is yeah. a must-see for science fiction fans. You know, it's a must-see for people You know, in general. This is you know, also considered you know, just one of the greatest remakes of all time. Um, and it's on a lot of musty lists. So, getting around to it again, like you said, you know, Donald Sutherland from this... Well, just Donald Sutherland, period. He's just fucking bad as shit. Um, and anything he does... Uh, like, my, my go-to movie is Kelly's Heroes. He's just so fucking badass <laughs> in that fucking movie. It's so super fucking cool. Uh, but, yeah, th- this movie, though, it was a really, really cool science fiction movie about, in my opinion anyway, fighting against conformity. And what you got to do to not fall into that category? This was, in my opinion, right up there in movies like Soylent Green, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Rollerball, and and Logan's Run. You know, where you're trying to be unique, you're tr- trying to be an individual in a world that's forcing you to conform to the norm, and and people realizing that being the norm is just not (laughs) all it's cracked up to be and it's not worth it it's a fight to try and stay an individual in a world that's trying to pigeonhole you and you know that's how I took this it was you know yes there are some slow moments and stuff like that but again it's a slow thriller that you know slowly slowly builds up but at the same time it's of just this process of watching the conformity happen and, you know, it taking over all of society and all of society thinking everything's normal and that's what you're supposed to do. And, yeah, it's just, it's a deep, deep fucking movie. And it, it was just a fun, fun ride, man. Thank you so much for the pick.
1: No, I'm glad that you guys liked it. And, yeah, I'm a fan of it, too. And it's one of those things where... You know, you can say it's a great remake. Uh, you know, like the the thing. John Carpenter's the thing. I think that's a better version of the film than the original, the Howard uh, the Hawks version. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's now, much better. And I think the same thing in this one. Yeah, go ahead, Dean. Yep.
3: That's a that's a great thought. Now I have seen uh, the original version of the thing, but like a million years ago, and uh, yeah. and also before I actually saw it before I saw uh, John Carpenter's the thing. Uh, I have not seen the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and one of the things that's interesting to me here, and we on this very program uh, have talked uh, endlessly about our feelings when it comes to remakes within the horror genre, and remakes in general. Uh, But what I appreciate here is that this comes from a time when, yes, obviously Hollywood and movie-making Has always, first and foremost, been a business. But uh, this is from a time when, like, remakes were not the thing. Remakes, reboots, relaunches, uh, Mm -hmm. recreations—you know—the remake was uh, was the exception, uh, not the rule. Um, You know, with good point. What I I would imagine would be Mm -hmm. uh, the point of trying to update uh, a story from from long ago. Now. The original film was in uh, 1956, I believe. So we're
0: talking... Around
3: there, yeah. So we're talking a little over mm-hmm. 20 years, which you know, similar today, like movies that are only. I sometimes have asked myself in the remake craze in Hollywood over the last 20 years, like what is the what is like an appropriate time frame to remake a film? Is 20 years too soon? Uh, you know, but here we are looking at a film that was remade just over 20 years from its original, uh, you know, broadcast, and then I know it also came originally from a book, but this was from a time mm-hmm. when remakes were not the were not incessant and obviously, obviously driven by money and exploitation of properties and so on and so forth. So uh, given that this is a remake, same as The Thing, uh, we're looking at taking something and trying to, truly trying to, to, to modernize and tell a more gripping story, updating effects, especially given The Thing as far as updated effects, but... Um, Oh, yeah. You know, that's one of the things that I appreciate about, about this film, like improving upon, like truly improving upon uh, something older. And obviously, uh, movie making in general, uh, you know, had massive uh, upgrades across the board as far as the quality of filmmaking from the 50s to the late 1970s.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, and especially with, with going into this movie with you get to see at the start. Uh, you know, these weird kind of spores, kind of uh, alien organisms, you know, drifting and going through space and through the skies until it reaches Earth and landing on the plants as it rains and turning into these weird pod flowers and these little pink flowers. A lot on of the KY it's, jelly. It's, it's <laughs> a lot of it, and, but it looks great, you know, for, for what it is, seeing grow. And you have Brooke Adams playing Elizabeth Driscoll coming by and finding one of those flowers and, and walking in home. And also you get to see Robert Duvall. In an uncredited part of the priest, yeah, on a swing. Yeah, is he the first pod person? We don't know. Exactly. I did not.
3: I did not. I did not recognize that. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah, I caught yeah, it because you know, especially because after it was such a bizarre thing to be focusing on. I don't know if there's like a like if there is. I certainly didn't like think about it or pick up on it. I don't know if there's some kind of like, you know, subtle like religious, uh, you know, overtones. In this film, right. but I did think it was like an odd choice to like focus on this priest when she's leading the children through. But then they had that weird scene where we watched the watched her with the kids like with the camera, like like from the priest's eye view, uh, with the camera yeah. swinging back and forth on the yeah. swing. I just thought that was mm-hmm. like a whole weird sequence. But I certainly did not recognize uh, Robert Duvall there in that moment.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, and, uh, especially because you know, he just happened to be in town and he got paid with an Eddie Bauer coat.
2: Yeah, so. <laughs> especially because <laughs> it was simple. Robert Duvall. You know, I was like totally expecting him to, you know, show up again later, but no, no, <laughs> he's just no, there to play but, in the you playground.
1: Know, it's a <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it totally you know, pause that next time you ever watch it again, you'll see it. But so we have her finding one of these pods and bringing it home uh, to where she lives with her living boyfriend Jeffrey Howell, who's a dentist, played by the wonderful Art Hindle. <laughs> who was in The Brood and uh, Black Christmas and a number one of these films, a Canadian actor. But he, he's fantastic as, as Jeffrey Howell because he's just playing the part because you know what's going to happen. You know, you can, especially you know, when he watches Pod in the, the glass of water overnight, you know something's going to happen. But we're also introduced to Matthew Vanel, played by, like we had said, Don Sutherland, who works for the health department. And immediately when you see him, he's going to a French restaurant. Looking at everything, inspecting everything. You know, the cooks know that he's a douchebag. You know, he's digging into the, you know, the soup, and he's like, what's this? That's a caper. It's a rat turd. No, I assure you, it's a caper. Oh, eat it, then. <laughs> and, of course, he's not eating it because he knows what it is. And they get back at him by throwing a wine bottle, not even a good wine bottle, of his windshield. And he keeps it like that for the rest of the movie. I was like, yeah, that's 78 for you. No safe life like that. So he just had to drive around with cracked windshields throughout the entire movie. <laughs> because he's the guy, but he's doing his job, you know. I mean, it's not like he's just being lazy and getting paid off. I mean, he's doing his job. You know, he shouldn't be eating at a restaurant that has, you know, subpar food and ratchet in it. So he's, just, he's doing his job to the best of his ability, you know, while staying at home with his garden. You know, I, just, I love the 70s aesthetic of his apartment. With that garden that overlooks the city of San Francisco, you know, and he's drinking his wine and hanging out, you know, just having a make, time. It, make it sushi. Um,
2: and a walks because yeah. that's the craze now. Is everyone's mm-hmm. learning how to use walks? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So of course, him and Elizabeth have, have a dinner together, and she talks about you know the pod that she found, and they yeah, have just clip banner back and forth. I did like the relationship that they have, because you can tell right away that there is that subtlety of romance, like that there's something between them. But obviously, Elizabeth with uh, Jeffrey, so they're not a couple, but there's obviously something. There's chemistry, you know, that plays out. It's definitely the a work crush. You know, the, yeah, you know, it's like work wife, work husband type of thing. Um, you know, not not like they consummated or anything like that. But so we find out that the next morning when Elizabeth wakes up, the husband's side of the bed, Jeffrey's cleaning it, there's some kind of a dust on the bed, water glass has been knocked over, but he's acting weird. He's fully in his suit, not really answering questions, and then he just leaves and goes outside and goes to work. So not acting like his normal self. He's very cold to her and not really giving her the, the attention that, uh, you know, he gave her before. So she tries to just kind of brush it off. You know, maybe he's just, you know, tired from work and, and maybe something is just going on, so maybe just let him go to work and, and that's it. But that's when we start to hear other stories about other people, like the Chinese laundry, where the man that runs the laundry says his wife is acting different. He doesn't know why. You know, she's, a, she's emotionless, and he doesn't really understand. So we start to get this thread of paranoia, you know in the story of like why are these people not acting like they used to you know why are they why what exactly is going on and I think it starts early and I don't think it lets you go until the end of the movie like you're constantly on edge of, of what is going on
2: yeah and that's the thing is you know they, they say that their significant other isn't bright you know like you know they're, they're still there they're still human you know they still have a pulse you know they still bleed but Something isn't right, you know. And like, like you said, in the Ch- Chinese laundry, you, you know, the, the one worker is like, yeah, you know, yeah, my wife is wrong. He's like, what? You know, she's mm-hmm. sick, And He's like, no, she's wrong. <laughs> so
1: yeah. there's something, you know, <clears throat> I read about it, and when you see her, yeah, yeah, she's just there's just no emotion, it's a blank slate. <clears throat> you know, don't, no smiling, no anger, no no depression or no nothing. Just you know, she says she's fine, but obviously. She's not, you know, and, and he doesn't know why, and Matthew doesn't know why, but it kind of sets Matthew, um, not, like, in the back of his mind of, of something's strange, but, you know, maybe there's got to be an explanation for it, and there could be an explanation for everything. You know, try to be logical about it. Um, but that's when Elizabeth tells him that she had been watching her, you know, her boyfriend, Jeffrey. And he's fucking hanging out, in, you know, in, in junkyards with people that she doesn't know, and he's like, no, oh, you didn't recognize any of them? She's like, no. Who they wear? They are around parcels and just hanging out. Like, not like him at all. He's a dentist. <laughs>
2: it's, it's, a, it's a series of bag drops, man. It's going on in San Francisco. That's what's going on. Everyone's trying to get their weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and there's also a, a side character, and I didn't know if you noticed this, Dean, because uh, it's a quick one, but uh, Otis, the, the, the homeless man with the beard and his dog, uh, that is actually Jerry Garcia singing uh, a song, but it's a uh, ADR. So it's actually Jerry Garcia's voice. I can't oh, remember I what the not. song is, but I know that it's in. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the man yeah. down the road. I think yeah, I forget the song. it's so long, but you, you know, <laughs> yeah, but it was,
2: it, it was definitely Jerry Garcia, um, singing and playing on the banjo. And then it, yeah, it was ADR into the movie.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, we just had the actor kind of miming it. But I thought that was a fun fact. I didn't know if he knew that. Obviously, he didn't, Dean. But there you go. It's so, um, Jerry Garcia in Vision of the but um Yeah, man. Right. I mean, it's San Francisco. I mean, that's, that's his haunt. That's his area. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's where they week. started, man. So was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was the thing because there's some kind of conspiracy, you know, going on. There's, there's got to be some kind of, like, like like you said, monkey, drugs maybe you know, maybe some kind of secret plans, I mean, some kind of secret dentist uh, cult, maybe? You know, we don't really know <laughs> that this there's this, something going on. So, the, Matthew is telling her about David Kibner, who is a renowned psychologist, writes like a book a month, you know? He's just this guy that everybody respects, and she's like, well, I wanna go see a psychologist. Like, I don't think I need one. He's like, well, let's just try to maybe meet him, and, and we'll see what he thinks about it, because he's got a logical mind. And as they're driving down the road, an old man comes running up to the windshield, pounding on it, saying, they're coming, they're coming, you have to run, they're everywhere. That's Kevin McCarthy from the original *Vision of the Body Snatchers, not playing the same character, separate from that movie, but he just cameoed in it as this man that knows what's going on while everybody doesn't. Because as you see in the scene, people are starting to act not quite right. They're kind of acting like uh, droids. You know, they're just completely just walking along the street, not really paying attention to the point where he gets run over by a car and people really don't have a, much of a reaction to it. You know, they just kind of see him laying dead in the street as they drive by and people are just kind of standing around. So you kind of get it already yeah. that there's, something is spreading in San Francisco and it's not LSD. Yeah,
2: yeah, and, the, and there's a cop there at the scene waving people on, you know, <laughs> carrying on. So, you know, there, yep. there's a cop there directing traffic, kind of, sort of, you know. But again, <laughs> exactly. people yeah, staring yeah. at the body <laughs> of the guy, but not, but not really like you would if you saw a body get hit in traffic.
1: Yeah, I mean, you think they would be crying, there'd be screaming, there'd be somebody puking on the corner but No, yeah. this is, yeah. wow, this, dang, this guy got got, you know. So, after seeing Dude. Matthew go to the book selling <laughs> party, and Matthew immediately goes to the phone. He's like, I'm going to call the cops. I'm going to, you know, report this, you know, that this man got hit. But he's being kind of just led around in circles. They don't have a report about it. So he's giving him the street, you know, where it happened, and there's just no report. He's like, there was a patrolman there. I saw it. There's, there's got to be something, and they keep him on the phone. And that's when we're introduced to Jack Belichick, played by the amazing Jeff Goldblum, was just playing Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> he's just playing
0: and He is. Just,
1: just, <laughs> yeah, you know, just, He's a, he's a poet, and he's completely fucking pissed that Kidner's not going to let him read his poetry. And he's like, this guy's a hack. You know, he writes a book a month. He's like, it takes me an entire month to write one sentence, and I'm right there with you. Because Jack, I'm the same way sometimes. <laughs> where I have to put out every word individually, and it takes me a month to write a sentence. So he's, a, he's acting as his typical, you know, self. You know, and I just I love him for it. It's just, it's just a younger version of, of Jeff Goldblum, but him being Jeff Goldblum. <laughs>
2: Yes, because also while that's going on, you know he's, you know, um, excuse me, he he's telling Matty, you know, don't give them your name, you know, don't tell them where you are, you know, because they're gonna follow you, they're gonna put you in the book, they're gonna get you know the record, you know, because the, the CIA and the FBI, man, it's what they do, it's all conspiracy, you know, because everyone's tracking everybody. Don't give them any information. Just uh, tell them what you have to, and then hang up the phone.
1: <laughs> he was so he would on, but he was
2: so so, so so, aside from anything else that's going on, we're already, you know, on top of that, um, talking about conspiracy theories, you know, human on human to begin with, you know, right. a, as the movie is starting off.
1: Yeah, there's already that, that threat of conspiracy, you know, that the police can't be trusted and you can't give the government your name, you know, and, and we see that Jack does have a U.S. Army jacket. You know, so he could have been in the Army, you know, at some point. That's where he gets his, his you know, conspiracy, you know, theories But everything that's happened. Um, and throughout the book signing party, we're finally introduced to Dr. Kibner, played by Leonard Nemo. He's like, hello, everybody. Remember me from Star Trek? I know. Now I know. Got my 70s hair rocking and my weird archer sleeve <laughs> that never going to come up in conversation, <laughs> but I wear <were, laughs> a For some reason, I have a weather guard over my hand. Makes me look cool.
2: <laughs> ah, uh, thank you for getting that. It's an archer thing because you know I've saw so many posts about like people are like what is the weird leather glove? I was like it's a fucking archery archery glove. You know, jeez.
1: Yeah, that's all it is. But he's for some little reason, little reason little.
2: he's dead set on it. Yeah. He, yeah, he just wants to look cool, you know. <laughs> and
1: yeah, so at this party we get a woman who's saying, "My husband here, he's not my husband. He's not my husband. He's not the man i married. There's something wrong with him." And of course. We have Kidner kind of giving the explanation of, well, I mean, feelings change, modern relationships, am I right, guys? Like there's emotional isolation, and we turn against the people that we love. And come on, hey, go home, go home, get some sleep, you'll (laughs) be fine. There's an explanation to to everything. Yeah, just you know, it's (laughs) the '70s, man. Like go home and and put on a record and have sex. Like that's that's the best (laughs) thing I can tell you to do. You know, it's just and. Elizabeth sees this woman before she was a party, and Elizabeth urges the woman to call the health department because I get you. My boyfriend is, is you know, making deals in, in parking lots, and he's not acting himself, so I know what you're talking about, you know, and, and call me, and we'll talk about it. Uh, but Matthew is still not completely convinced that there's something going on. He wants her to talk to Kidner, which eventually she does, and Kidner, again, is telling her relationships change. People change. People act strange, you know, at, at certain points. And to make his point, while Jeff Goldblum is walking down the street, he grabs Jeff Goldblum and starts yelling at him. He's like, What's that? what the heck? Like, what, what, what do I do? Matthew tells me to go in the store. He's like, I don't want to go in the store. What, what is that? He's like, see? What did I tell you? You know, I can change on a dime, and, and I'm not acting myself. It <clears throat> doesn't mean that I'm not me. I just I thought it was a good example. This poor fucking Jack. But he's already upset. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and when he went to and the then he's the like, yeah,
2: Now I get gra- now I get grabbed grab by the juice bag self help the, the asshole. <laughs> now I'm having the worst fucking day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because it's crazy because later when he goes to the, the mud bath uh place that he runs with his girlfriend Nancy, as soon as she's like, Well, how did it go? He just fucking slams the book on the floor. And then just stones off. <laughs> but <laughs> like, so dr- but he's, then we- he's feeling of- something. <laughs>
2: But then again, here we go. His girlfriend is who? Veronica Cartwright. Veronica Cartwright <laughs>
1: the trifecta. Yes. We hit the trifecta. So Cartwright.
2: Yes, because I was going to say, like, three of the last four picks we've had have <laughs> Veronica Cartwright in it, man. As soon as she showed up in the movie, I was like, holy fucking shit. She's in another movie for <laughs> our show. <laughs>
1: yeah, pretty soon it's just going to be the Veronica Cartwright show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she keeps popping up. And I don't mind it because I think that she is fantastic as Nancy in this movie. Like she's the one that figures it out. Like she's the one that figures out yeah. how to survive. You know, when things start going fucking completely insane, she's the one that's like, ah, I figured it out, guys. So I mean, she's a smart one. You know, but I just I love the fact that she she runs this place with, with Jack. Um, you know, this mud bath place. I don't even know if they have these places anymore, but just these baths filled to the brim with mud, and you have the one. Jumbo sized guy struggling to get out of this fucking mud and apparently it happens all the time. She's used to it. You know, ah, God, it's so hard to get you out and then she immediately starts giving him a massage and uh ah. I was like, wow, yeah. just a lot to cover. I was like, I am a yeah. good guy myself it, but he's just right at home.
2: Uh, but, you know, again, feeling sorry for Nancy because she's having to massage his ass and all that kind of shit and it's just like, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Just don't don't you ask know. for a happy ending, all right? Because she's she's not gonna give. She she's not that kind of yeah. girl.
1: She
2: will kick. She, she will more, kick your ass.
1: Yeah, he's yeah. He's more angry about the music. She's like, well, help the plants. He's like, oh, I don't love you. like it. Yeah, dude, just relax. Like, you know, you're getting a massage from a pretty girl. Just enjoy it.
3: <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs>
1: well, you know, while Jack goes into the steam room and, and relaxes himself, you have another guy, Mr. Gianni, who's also in there. You know, who's reading a book and he seems kind of off himself and he offers a plant to Nancy, which she takes and he just enjoys it. But there's something wrong with Mr. Johnny, but he just kind of disappears and we don't really see him again uh, after the bath. But we also have, <laughs> yeah, of course. We also have Jeffrey giving uh, a, a plant to his girlfriend, you know, and, and this is just put it by the bedside. It's fine. Come on, Elizabeth. Just fucking hang out and be cool. It's, it's for you, it's just for me, you know, Sure, fine. <laughs> I know I already had one, but it's fine. So it's like they're gifting these plants ah. to people, and just, I'm thinking that it's <laughs> going to be okay. But um, So later in the evening, Nancy is cleaning up and, and closing down the mud place, and she sees a body laying underneath the sheet, and she assumes that it's Jack, and for some reason, once she removes it, it's this horrifying fucking disgusting working body with all these white tendrils and no kind of features, disgusting. And she has a reaction that I think everybody would if she was a fucking scream. She knocks him the jack, causing him to get a nosebleed, which the body on the table also gets. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. fucked up.
2: <laughs> and again, it's like, um, you know, that's one of those things I was upset about when I'm just trying to review the credits and stuff like that is the special effects department just didn't get enough credit in this movie, man. Because they did agree with great, that. great practical effects in yeah. this movie. Uh, Like, I could not find any behind-the-scenes stuff like, you know, the making of or anything like that. You know, because unfortunately until Sam Winston and Savini, you know, no one was really documenting – the work of special effects artists. You know, if you weren't right. a Universal no. film, you know they weren't doing that stuff. And it's sad that you know, unfortunately, this was lost because I think the effects team on this thing was fucking amazing.
1: Yeah, they, they, it really was. Like everything was, especially towards the end. You know, some of those effects. It was just amazing to see how they yeah. did it. You know how they made it work, and, and especially for being seventy-eight. Um, so Matthew was called to the mud bath. You know, company, I keep calling it company, but it's just a mud bath spa. But he's called there by Nancy and Jack, and when he arrives, you know, he realizes this is pretty fucked up, too. Like, he's seeing it, and he sees that it's laying on this table. And what's interesting is that when Jack decides he's too tired and wants to go to sleep, that's when we get more features from this body laying on the table, and it starts to take on more resemblance to Jack. But so when he wakes up, it goes back to sleep. So we get to see that sleep <laughs> is something that is involved with these figures as well. So as we sleep, they grow. So it's kind of an uh, interesting yeah. thing that you get to see later on in the movie. So while you sleep, they grow, yeah. and, and ultimately what happens to you afterwards.
2: Yeah, and it's like, as you sleep, you start to sit there and flake away a little bit. Your skin starts to dry out as you're sleeping, you know, and you you know, start to wither a bit.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. And while this is happening, Matthew remembers Elizabeth, and Runs through her house and yeah, hey, breaks in. Like, got to sit, got to get her out of here. Like, you know, it's time to go. Jeffrey's busy. I'm taking you out of here. Let's go. i <laughs> wasting no time. Me, the guy is silent as a fucking cat. I would have been making so much fucking noise trying to get out of there. I would have been tripping over shit. I would have been fucking breathing heavy, trying to carry her body down the stairs. You know, he, he's like a little cat. <laughs> he fucking of so the stairs.
2: But before he grabs her, though, he sees what he thinks is her in the green room. Yes. And it's another body of her that's in in there, again, covered in the tendrils like Jack's body was. You know, and he, th- he thinks it's her, and, to, and he yells her name, and then she wakes, and then he's like, oh, shit, it's actually her mm-hmm. on the bed. What the fuck is going on? Okay, it's another double, uh, you know. But this one is more developed than the Jack was in the mud spa, you know. So he, he's seeing a more advanced <laughs> thing going on. But yeah, like you said, Donald Sutherland, super ninja, you know, sneaking out like a motherfucker, not making a single fucking sound, <laughs> It no. takes off like a <laughs> silent, deadly, <there they> <laughs> silent, yeah, but deadly. <laughs>
1: and that's when Matthew's <laughs> like, "Fuck yeah, dude! There's a fucking body in there that looks just like her. Let's get the police. Let's go, guys. Come on. I'll show you a body." And they're like, "Okay, well, let's go check it out." And when they get back to Elizabeth's house, the body's gone, and, you know, her boyfriend Jeffrey's not too happy about it. Like, so you, you break into my house, and you take my chick, and you're saying that there's a body in here. Uh, is she coming back home? Hell no, dude. Staying with the big dog, Staying with Matthew Brennell now. My mustache is loose. My hair is curly. Your chick wants me now, sir. I'm getting her clothes, and I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Like, oh, okay. And, and when they leave, but, what happens the cops all look at, at uh, Jeffrey like, uh-huh. Oh, fuck, the top people. <laughs> just, oh, it's man, the are just, on it,
2: too? <laughs> shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. They are fucking in Jack on it. Right. What the fuck you, are we going to do? Because, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't. again, it works so well because now you don't know who to trust. You obviously can't trust the cops anymore. Jeffrey, you can't trust at all. So the, who can you turn to? No they, all one. Decide to, to, they all decide to go to Matthew's house and just, all right, let's, let's just fucking think about this. Like, you know, the, apparently, you know, there's pods, and they're creating people that are impostures of people that are already existing. And I love what Nancy says. Why do aliens have to come in metal ships? Why wouldn't they come in a flower? You know, why wouldn't that be the way that they would invade? Be quiet about it and slowly invade and take over the world. And I think it was just a great line. You know, because it's true. They're not going to come in UFOs. They'll come in something organic and invade us that way. Right,
2: but also because it's the '70s, and you know, things are going on uh, in books that are going on in, in real life. You know, she, she makes a nod back to the ancient alien, uh, ancient astronaut theory. About, you know, this isn't the first time they've Mm -hmm. come to visit our planet. You know, this is, you know, they've been here before. You know, that's how the pyramids were made, all that kind of shit, you know. So she had that nod there to the book um, that was really popular at the time, The Chariot of the Gods. You know, so she was giving Mm -hmm. a quick nod to all of that theory about the ancient astronaut stuff. Because, again, this is a hip happening town in San Francisco. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, it's all happening. It's all happening in San Francisco. Uh, so we have Kidner, you know, joining them as well, and they're kind of going over theories of what it could be. Matthew goes into this frenzy. We have to contact the mayor. We have to contact the president. We got to contact everybody that'll listen because something's happening. I got to make a whole bunch of phone calls so we get the phone call montage, where he's frantically running can't. around the city, dialing,
3: phone snatching everybody up in here. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that guy. But yeah, no. Uh, it's just completely 70s with all the phone calls that he has to make and running around the city. And meanwhile, we find out that Kidner's in on it, and he's with Jeffrey and he's with other people, and he's a pot person. And it's unfortunate because it doesn't seem like it really hid that well, especially when you watch it now. If you're kind of savvy, you can pick up that Kidner's with it the entire time. Like he's a pot person from the beginning to end. He just knows how to hide it better. You know, when they, they like he's always like, ah, eh, forget about it. Like, you know, here, take a sedative, go to sleep. You trust me, I'm a psychologist. <laughs> you know, don't worry yeah. about and, it. You know,
2: but, and again, like you said, when you go back and think about it, you know, of course he's there to sit there and tell everyone, you know, yes, your significant other is perfectly fine. It's going to be okay. Just go home and talk and everything's going to be all right. Because, again, he's there. He's that hip-happening self-help guru, you know. So, yeah, listen oh. to me. Everything's <laughs> going to be just fine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh come on guys who, who else are you going to trust for the psychologist you know, but, um, so Jack and Nancy and the group are at Matthew's place and that's where Elizabeth gets a mild sedative from uh, Kibner and then they all just are so tired they have to get some sleep <clears throat> with the last one being Matthew who goes outside with that fucking great view of the city and falling asleep in a chair and that's when we get to see one of my favorite effects of the movie is when you get to see the podcast And laying right next to the bed, and starts to develop, and it opens up like a flower, and then the petals fall off, and then the body comes fucking flying out of it, developing features, and Mm -hmm. all those tendrils, and oh, it's just like you said, monkey. You still didn't get no credit because that was an amazing effect for '78. Yeah. Yeah, for (laughs) its time, absolutely for 1978. Because this one is fully advancing. This one is fully, it's got the mustache, it's got the hair, it's, it's fully advancing because he's not waking up. And Donald Sutherland with the Undertaker eye roll, you know, where he's laying in his chair, and you can tell oh, he's in a deep geez, sleep man. because he ain't waking up. <laughs> no, he's just, he is fully out um, until Nancy comes walking out because she's the only one who didn't stay. See, so again, Nancy is a fucking boss. She doesn't go to sleep. She <laughs> ain't got time to sleep. You know, so I'm going to be the one walking around and, you know, seeing what's going on. I and mean, she discovers that pod of Matthew and starts screaming her head off. And that's when Matthew's like, oh, shit, there's a fucking pod right there. Like, you know, this is this. And then they find out that there's other pods of the others, like Jack and Elizabeth, you know, all growing and, and pulsing and just, you know, gross and just insane what's going on in this fucking garden. Matthew, of course, sees all the bodies, sees Elizabeth, you know, forming, but he decides to take out himself. He he's going to just grab a fucking hoe, not girl, but an actual gardening tool, and he's going to destroy the head of, of his own clone to the dismay of all the other clone people that are outside screaming their heads off, trying to get in like right. manic zombies and, and chase them you know, to wherever they can go.
2: Yeah, because he can't bring himself to, to take out the one of Elizabeth. Because, again, he loves her. But, yeah, this is when things, you know, start to get that manic feeling because, that, you know, now they're just literally running around the city just trying to just go away from the groups.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're trying to do anything. So Jack, you know, he's the one that's trying to call all the pot people to go chase him. So Nancy goes chasing after him, which leaves Matthew and Elizabeth on their own. So they just figure, we'll, we'll just get a cab and we'll go out of town. <clears throat> That's the best way to do it. We'll just grab a cab and, and leave. So they hitch a ride with a cabbie, played by Don Siegel, who directed the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He's the one that's going to take them <laughs> to wherever they need to go, where they reach a, a roadblock. But on the way, the guy is talking into the, you know, the 2 ways saying that he found two H's, which is what the, the pod people label humans that aren't turned yet. And when they reach that roadblock, you can see people being dragged out of their cars. And being taken away because obviously they're going to be turned into pot people. So realizing that they can't escape, you know, where else are they going to go except for the health department, where they're just going to shoot a bunch yeah, of Yeah, I mean, why would you speed not go to the health department? <laughs> it's <the> speed <laughs> pills, so we can stay up all night. It's going to be awesome. We'll take speed pills and then we'll see how long we wait up. I just love that line. What does the bottle say? Take one, take five. <laughs> You know, we really got to, you know,
2: know, (laughs) and, and, you know, they're at the health department, they're seeing now that it's becoming, you know, a a mechanized process now of just people going in and out of the, the main building and. Now now you have military vehicles there, you know you, you have national guard vehicles there, you know, so again, mm-hmm. it's spreading more and more, where it's no longer the cops now. now you're talking about every citizen, now you're talking about the national guard. you know it's become an organized movement now of yeah. getting these pods in and out,
1: Yeah, and you could see them moving like all the people carrying them. You know, you see him in the dockyard where they're putting it on boats, so you can see if they're getting him out of San Francisco into other parts of the world. So it's really advancing, you know, in this night. But while they take their speed and while they're trying to hide, Jack shows up at Kibner, and ultimately we find out that Jack has been taken over by a pod person. But we find out from Kidner that it's all good. Like, listen, you know, it's not that bad. I mean, when you become one, There's no more fear. There's no more anxiety. There's no more depression, no love, no hate. You just kind of exist. But the best thing is you get to retain all your memories, too. I was like, you know what? I'd be a pod person. I'd be the first one to volunteer. I I don't care. Here we go. (laughs) You mean I don't have to fucking have any emotion anymore and I still have all my memories? Fuck yeah, dude. Sign me up, bro. I don't have to worry about anything, you know, but no. It's supposed to be an evil thing. So we have to, you know, make sure that it's an evil thing. So Kibner gives them both sedatives, and, and Matthew's like, you're killing us. Like, he, he's trying to plead to a guy that's a bot person, and I love the fact that he's doing that. Like, he feels like there's got to be some kind of humanity left in Kibner. You know, this, don't do this. Let us go. You, know, you don't have to do this. But, of course, Kibner's moving along with the plan. So, once again, Donald Sutherland karate chops, you know, and just start beating up on Jack, and he starts beating up on Kibner locking Kibner into a, a freezer so they can make their escape. Man, Sutherland, kicking ass. He's he yeah, and he, so he any
2: and he takes out Jack with a throwing dart to the back yep. of the neck because <laughs>
1: yeah. you know,
2: apparently that's yeah. a so, fatal spot on poor people.
1: Apparently, because he is out for the count. So he was like, "Oh shit, that hurt!" No, he's down. He's dead. <laughs> we don't yeah. see Jack again because and because I've stuck been, stuck been hit by darts plenty
2: of times. Yeah. <laughs> you don't die from no. a dart. <laughs> I've been no, drunk well, enough in enough pubs to know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, as we find out, yeah, that's their only weakness. Oh, no, not darts. Nothing can kill us except those. Yeah, so, yeah we, we find out that yeah. that's the they do. But her, <laughs> a, a dart did take out Sean. To <laughs> <see>. <laughs> but we are reintroduced to Nancy, who is still alive, and she's like, I, I lost Jack. I don't know where he went. Did you guys see him? And, of course, Matthew's like, well, anyway, we got to go. Like, I'm not going to tell you that I just killed him with a dart. Um, but we have to go. And she's the one. Like I said, she cracked the code. She realized that if you want to just kind of innocuously get through these crowds and not be seen, just don't show any emotion. Just don't show any emotion whatsoever, and they're not going to detect you, kind of like Shaun of the Dead. Well, how are we going to get through the zombie horrible? Well, just act like zombies.
0: And we'll learn the difference. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so,
0: yeah, that's, that's exactly that's what they do. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah, <it's> pretty good, <laughs> Yeah, pretty good.
1: Yeah, pretty good. But And they do it for the most part, and they're doing well until you see the homeless man's head on his dog's body, which, of course, would freak the fuck anybody out. Which so fucking weird. That out. is
3: so weird right? for 1978 <laughs> when that dog comes on and out. And I have to say, that is a, a, uh, a sequence that, from my long-ago viewing, completely 100% forgot about that. There was nothing about that that rang any bells, that was familiar in any way, but holy shit, was that fucking freaky shit right there?
1: Because it just, it fucking happens. Like, that's the thing. They don't even linger. It. It's just, you see this dog running up, and all of a sudden he's got a human head, and they're like, anyway. No, let's go back to that for a second. What the fuck happened? Like, why are there, why did their bodies combine? Like, it doesn't make any sense, so, you know, but yeah, it's enough for them to freak out and scream.
2: Because <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I was like, you know, and it acted. And the dog actually sticks the tongue out of the human mouth, you know, and licks his face. I was like, I was like, holy fuck! What is one of the things from the thing doing fucking here? I was like, wrong fucking movie, dog.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's because how can you keep cool when you see that? Like <laughs> even I was like, what the fuck? Are you, who fucking <laughs> dog is that? Why does it have a human head? But you know.
2: It's what causes,
1: you know, the other pod people to realize that there's humans among them, and, and once again, we have to give chase. Nancy, once again, separates from the group, and we don't see her again until the end of the movie. So <laughs> somehow, she manages to escape everybody and, and go back to wherever she goes to. Maybe she went back to the mud place she, and just kind of sits there. She,
2: she, she's a fucking survivor, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, for some reason, she's like the ultimate survivor, and I just, I loved her for that. Yeah, you know, she never really yeah, gave she you
3: unlocked, up. You know, she unlocked. She unlocked the solution. She had it down. She knew what to do.
1: Because she could just do it again somewhere else. Like run away until you're far away from these people, then just act like you're emotionless again, and then you're fine. You know, carry a couple pies. You know, watch out for the dog person. You know, and you're fine. You know, if, <laughs> if I saw that again, yeah, watch out for watch that out.
2: fucked up dog. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I think once again I would, you know, freak out if I saw that. Um but yeah, like I said, there there, it's a chase once again of all these people that are just completely under the control of the aliens in the pods. Um Matthew and Elizabeth, they find a greenhouse that has a, a ton of these pods in there. And because of her ankle, she doesn't think she's gonna really make it much farther. You know, she's I don't even know how it really happened. She just kinda stepped down from the ladder and she goes, Oh my foot I'm like I don't know how you did that, you know, but Matthew made it fine, but of course I mean, we have to do that, which is unfortunate. So I was kind of hoping we would see more of, uh, you know, Matthew and Elizabeth. Um, but leaving her without sleep is not working because that sedative is really working on her. So Matthew suddenly hears Amazing Grace being played from one of the ships at the dockyard to make their way to, and he leaves Elizabeth behind in the, uh, the, the tall grass. And then he realizes that the ship is being helmed by five people and they're leaving for other docks so <laughs> not gonna be able to Hell stop yeah. that from Let's happening
3: go. time to spread out like the plague <laughs>
1: yeah, he's not going to be able to so he just he, he has no recourse except to find elizabeth again and she is asleep but she is down for the count this time he can't wake her up as much as he wants to and again like we had said about the effects this is probably my favorite one because i just i can't figure out how they did it properly because it looks so effective and real when she starts to crumble into a husk. Like, right until the very end where you can tell it's a dummy, like, I just, I was so impressed by how they showed this time lapse of her crumbling basically into dust.
2: Yeah, uh, again, just really, really good effects, man. Uh, It was only two people credited for the entire effects crew for this movie. I seriously doubt it was only two people that did this um, because But between all the practical effects that were going on, all the pods that were made, all the pods, you know, all the motion that was going on with the pods, you know, it had to have been a full crew. It really did, you know. But, yeah, you know, he, 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 she, but, yeah, like you said, you know, she literally just crumbles the dust in his hands, and then we have a new Elizabeth pop up. Buck naked. And she's like, yeah, it's really you know, not that she, bad, man. She, hey, you should,
1: you, no. you should really, really join us. <laughs> it's re- yeah, yeah. And <laughs> she calls him from the wood. Eventually, comes out and she's naked as the day she was born. You know, you know, and she's just walking around and saying, "Hey, listen, it actually isn't that bad. it's like, actually kind of nice. Like, you go to sleep and then you wake <laughs> up and you're kind of reborn. So, like, you should join us. But again, like, Andy was the first one. He volunteered for this. he's doing great." Like he's like the fucking, you know, he's the boss of his own company now, running pods to different places around the world. Like you know, man, he's he's making his own dollars, and I mean, he's emotionless now, but he was pretty emotionless before, so you don't really know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so But apparently, like, you know, because like, he's
2: an individual, he's not having any of this shit. He's like, you know what? Fuck this shit. You took my girl, and no, you're, you're not the same, because <laughs> now I can't hit that shit, because you got no emotions, and I was just starting to get the hookup, because you just kissed like 15 minutes ago, bitch, and now, you, <laughs> I'm done. And he sits there and cl- climbs up <laughs> into the fucking greenhouse, and starts cutting wires down and shit like that, set the entire <laughs> oh, greenhouse on fire, ass. okay? I'm I'm giving mad props to Donald Sutherland for this shit because he did all of his own fucking stunts for this shit, man. Like, all of this was shot in real life. They didn't really have time to get crews together, uh, and Donald Sutherland was like, don't worry about it. I totally got this shit, man. You want me to climb up there on that shit? I got you. Just make sure you film it while I'm doing it, man, because I'm going to look badass as shit. (laughs) I'm going to make Steve McQueen my bitch.
1: It was so great to see him with that fire action, bashing the lights, setting everything on fire, burn it down. And they're like, "Yeah, this kind of sucks for this warehouse, but we're kind of good. Like, let him tire himself <laughs> out. Like, let let him. Yeah, I know he's screaming and he's burning things. It's fine. He's gonna get tired. He can't stay awake up all night. You know, let let him tire himself out. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's then, gonna hey, happen. That's cool. You know." And that's when they realize that, yeah, it's not a big deal. He burned down one warehouse. We have pods on ships right now. Do
3: you know how many warehouses <laughs> we have?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have Indiana Jones-type warehouses with a bunch of fucking pods laying everywhere. Let him tire himself out, and that's exactly what happens. He decides to run and hide underneath the dock, and he hears them saying, yeah, hey, he can't stay up all night. And Matthew knows this, and once you fall asleep, you become one of them. So we suddenly cut to the next day and there's Matthew going to work, just having a time, you know, just walking around his other cohorts. We see Elizabeth, you know, sitting at her chair in the health department and he watches her and goes down into the hallway while she goes down into the elevator, not making any sounds, not making any conversation with anybody, just kind of going through the routine. Matthew starts to see yeah. the school buses full of children from Santa Barbara, LA, other parts of California you know, being taken into a theater for their conversion. So these poor little kids are being dragged against their will into a theater to be turned into pot people. And he has no reaction to this whatsoever. So later when he's walking by the city hall building, that's when we see Nancy. And Nancy's fine. Nancy's alive. Oh, my God. She made it through the night. Of course she is.
2: She's fucking badass as hell. (laughs) I love
1: it. You know, she's so happy to see a friend, you know, that she recognizes. It's Matthew smiles all around and, hey, Matthew, hey, I'm over here, buddy. And this is where we get one of the most uh, famous shots in horror cinema history with Donald Sutherland opening up his mouth and screeching as loud as he can while pointing at her. And her screaming and gripping her ears, realizing that Matthew was one of the pod people, until so we go straight into his mouth as we go into the credits, which feature no music whatsoever. So it's, even, even on the credits are unsettling because there's no score for the soundtrack, you know, on the, on the credits. But he, again, like even like the Dean, he put it up on the talking terror Instagram page that shot of Donald Sutherland. If you didn't really know this movie, you'll know that shot.
3: Yeah. I mean, look, yeah, I've talked about seeing this film uh, long ago and uh, upon uh, this shot uh, at the time going back these ways, this was like, the scariest fucking thing that I'd ever seen in a movie. That sequence at Mm -hmm. the end, one, I wasn't expecting it as a young movie watcher. I was not up on, like, the unhappy ending, uh, the doom and gloom ending. It was such a shock in that regard. Plus, obviously, like I said at the top about uh, my views on Donald Sutherland's appearance uh, being freaky enough in this era, like, this and the noise, uh... So, scared yeah. the fucking shit out of me. Like this is one of those horror imagery images that is burned into my brain and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there uh in our age range and beyond or below that feel the same way if they've seen this.
1: Mm-hmm. And and like monkey, like you had said, you hadn't seen this movie before but you knew the ending. You knew exactly yeah. what it, it was, it, you know, him screaming. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a, again. It's like you know, if you're a sci-fi fan and you you know y- you love sci-fi history, you know, and the movies and stuff like that. Even if you haven't seen the movie, you know the fucking scene. You know, the, you know, you know the goddamn scene. You know, so it's just again, it was just so awesome to go into this and absorb the entire movie and just get that moment. And yeah, just what a shocking fucking moment it is. You know, and you know, it is literally. Just, just, you know, a shot to the gut at the end is just, you know, no happy ending whatsoever. You know, n- nothing but uncomfortableness as you walk out of the movie theater. I fucking love it. <laughs>
1: yeah, none. And and for, for everybody at home that is a fan, like the, the DN said, of Donald Sutherland, of this era, of the 70s, where he had the, you know, the perm, and then he had the, the mustache. There's another movie that I, I fucking love that you can find on Pluto TV right now called Don't Look Now from 1973, uh, directed by Nicholas Rogue, that also has a fucking phenomenally shocking ending. But if you want weird Donald Which Sutherland, film? But also it's, the, it's called Don't Don't Look,
2: Look Now. Oh
1: uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's got uh, it's phenomenally like a phenomenally weird beard, robotic, but an kind of appropriate thing, yeah. sex scene between him and Julie Christie. That is worth checking out. But yeah, no, it's it's available, and it's also like top tier Donald Sutherland seventy, So that's another one. But that was my pick, Vision of the Body Snatchers. Next week as we kick off our favorite season of the year, monkey, what do you have for us?
2: That's right, man. Okay. Yeah. Again, first pick of October, favorite month of the year, you know, and we've got to sit there and start doing creepy shit, man. We've got to start doing ghosts. We've got to start doing cemeteries. you know. And we got to Yay. start doing haunted house. We start doing haunted houses and especially haunted mansions. Like Disney's the haunted mansion. Yeah. Where can I go there? Yeah, guys, I know, <laughs> yeah, I know you know of it, movie? but not. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Why, dude? Oh, oh, well, okay. It's fine. It's fine. Well. Ugh, okay. I forgot about that movie. <laughs> All right. Ugh. I know. Oh,
2: the haunted. The, the haunted. Mansion. The scene sounded like Lurch over there.
1: <laughs> the. I just, I thought you were going to fuck with us and be like, ah, fuck that. I'm not going to, you know. Uh, is the Muppet one not out yet? Is that why we're covering The Haunted Mansion from 2003? I know you're we're covering this one, one man,
2: because it's, a, it's, a, it's got classic Halloween vibes to it, man. It's a good, fun, family scary movie. And then we'll also talk about the history of the ride as well.
1: Well, hey, listen, you know, it is your pick, and, and you, know, we don't yuck, you know, we don't yuck your yum. You make your pick. So we'll be talking about it next week. A Haunted Mansion, two thousand three, starring uh, America's sweetheart Eddie Murphy. So we'll see how that goes. So, all right, Dean. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we will see you back here next week for some haunted mansion action.
3: Oh, I'm so excited! I can hardly wait. <laughs> <You> can't wait.
1: <laughs> all right, all right. Go ahead and sign yourself out, monkey.
2: All right. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror. Good night, everybody. Mwah! <laughs>
1: And as for me, your old pal, the King of RNG. Thank you so much for listening uh, to our discussion of the Vision of the Body Snatchers, where we go into uh, haunted mansion territory next week. Uh, it's a movie that I have seen, so I'm looking forward to rewatching it and seeing if maybe it got better. We'll find out. I mean, I'm open-minded. I'm, I'm not going into this going, oh fuck. No, I'm going into this open-minded. So we'll see if I remain that way next week. Um, so as far as the ghoul not being here, as he always says, stay scared, people. Stay scared. And as I always say, Hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous. Watch horror movies, keep America strong, where next we meet, it's gonna be the Halloween season, baby, twenty twenty one. Stay (laughs) tuned.